Hey, everybody. Before we get to today's show, I just wanted to remind you that we have a live podcast coming up Thursday, March 28th over at Maya Cinemas. We are going to be talking about Godzilla X-Kong, the new empire with guests Michael Keane, Joe Black, and Sam Novak. I am so excited for this one. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know I am firmly Team Kong and I love Godzilla vs. Kong, and this is the follow-up to that. So we are going to have a great time getting into some puzzle pieces at this live show. Again, that's Thursday, March 28th, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas. You can enter to win tickets right now. Check the links in the show notes, and I hope to see you there. Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, it is our last of 2021, and we are looking at The Matrix Resurrections, The Return to the Matrix, directed by Lana Wachowski. No Lily Wachowski this time, but back is Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, and a whole bunch of other characters, but a bunch of new actors. But, uh, you know, we'll get into some of those decisions as we get into the conversation. This is a little bit of a different episode, though, than our usual thing. Usually it's just one-on-one, me talking to one person. We each have five or six puzzle pieces, something like that. Uh, this time around, this is a super episode. We've done a few of these over the years. Uh, it's been a while since the last one. I think it was The Rise of Skywalker. But uh, instead of one conversation, I'm going to have five small conversations, and each guest is bringing a few puzzle pieces apiece, and uh, at the end, maybe I'll fill in a few of the other pieces that I had thought of ahead of time. But I'm going to be talking to Sharia Chala, Joe Black, Jack Hunter, JC, and Pete Abeda. And we'll talk to each of them, get some puzzle pieces from them, their thoughts on the movies. we got a wide range of points of view on this movie. This has been quite a polarizing Matrix sequel, uh, especially if you get on Twitter, uh, there, which, you know, Twitter lately has just been, I, I don't even know what to say about it. But uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of different opinions on this movie, and we'll get into all of those across these conversations so before we do get to those conversations i do want to remind you as always to make sure you're subscribed to piecing it together wherever you listen to podcasts you can rate and review us on apple Podcasts or spotify now or also over on Podchaser or good pods and we do appreciate those five star ratings if you like what we do here on the show uh you could also follow us on social media at piecing pod on all the major social media apps and join our facebook group popcorn and puzzle pieces where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And last but not least, I want to remind you, we do have a Patreon where I post advanced content from Piecing It Together, as well as bonus content from Piecing It Together, and Awesome Movie Year, which is another movie podcast I produce, and stuff from my music career. So there is a lot of great content over there. It is patreon.com slash by David Rosen. If you really like uh, all the stuff that I'm involved with, maybe uh, check it out and subscribe. So with all that said, let's get to this very long multi-part conversation about the Matrix Resurrections. (laughs) 
All right, so I got a bunch of people lined up to talk to today, and starting it off, we've got Sharia Chawla from YouTube and Screen Rant. Sharia, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, David. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, this movie is such a, a big deal to me and to so many other people who, you know, The Matrix is like from our generation of growing up with a, you know, big giant sci-fi, you know, thing that this was such a big one. And, you know, we just did our piecing it together episode on the original matrix trilogy and uh, talked a whole lot about its impact and all that. So to, to finally have another movie in this series, I just thought it would make sense to do this whole super episode thing that we've done a few times here in the past on this show and talk to a whole bunch of people. And so you're the first one I'm talking to. And, uh, I guess we'll just jump right into it. Were you very much looking forward to this movie? I actually, arguably, this was my most anticipated movie of the year. Um, ever, ever since, you know, I've revisited the sequels, especially, it's like you sort of get, a, you know, an appreciation for them a little bit more. And you notice yeah. things that you missed the first time. And so when I heard that they were, you know, recon, you know considering it, I thought, yeah, the possibilities are there. Because you ended mm -hmm. revolutions on a definitive, but still note, like, maybe there could be more going forward, you know, especially with that line, which uh, the Oracle says, it's like, you know, will we see Neo again? It's like, I suppose it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> okay. Possible. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, to say I was excited for this is an understatement. And if, you know, if anyone followed me on social media, like you, you may have also noticed, like, ah, I was excited, like all those posts because of the trailers. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we'll get into, uh, as we go through this conversation, um, how well it delivered on the promise of a new Matrix movie. But uh, we're going to get into just a couple of puzzle pieces here in this conversation. So let's get to your puzzle pieces. What do you have for your first one? I mean, we have to go with the first Matrix. That's, that's a big one, you know, for this movie. <laughs> um, you know, when you think about it, it's like, obviously, there there's other things that have come out in years since that you can look at. And there was one more I was going to I'll mention in a second. But sure. really, the first Matrix movie is, yeah, there, there's so much of that in here and in meta ways, self-referential ways, yeah. of course, uh, but also in terms of plot continuations and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that the the lazy thing to do, mm. which and we, we, could, we could get into a whole side thing of the reaction to this movie that we have both seen and we kind of talked a little bit about beforehand just about how some fans are not exactly happy with this movie mm -hmm. um, where whereas we both enjoyed this movie quite a bit mm -hmm. but I, I feel like the lazy thing to do would be to completely rest on being inspired by itself and just do the whole Matrix thing all over again and not add anything to it whereas Lana had very different things on her mind and wanted to go in, in very different directions to comment on a lot of other things about movie making, about the, uh, you know, where we are right now in our relationship to entertainment and uh, various other ideas put into the world of the Matrix. And that's what makes this movie like so not just special, but successful as far as I'm concerned. No, yeah, no, I absolutely agree. In fact, in a lot of ways, this felt like the antithesis of everything that they'd done in the earlier uh, movies. I mean, well, in this case, Lana. Um, but it almost feels like a self-critique. It's like, it's mm -hmm. it's looking at all the stuff that, like The Matrix at the end of the day is an ideological film. It's a film that's going for concepts that are more human. And it's yeah. trying to and talk about what the, the world is like around us. 
but a lot of people and in the movie makes note of this it's like bullet time and the cool whoosh sequences and everything but that's yeah. you know that's not the that's not the point of the matrix so right it's almost like this movie is critiquing that very often it's like that's not our that's not our goal in fact it almost uses those cool things like that people have come to love against it um yeah in more ways than one especially with the i mean i don't want to go into spoilers like there's people spoilers are fine on piecing it together uh we we always assume people have have watched the movie or don't care about spoilers because <laughs> especially with a movie like this you kind of got to get into them so feel right. free to spoil away if it uh if it works its way into one of your pieces here okay sounds good <laughs> but uh let, let's let's see what you got next what do you have for your next piece well someone mentioned this and this is a very recent example but um i actually was gonna go with free guy and mm-hmm. it's a movie that's based in a video game world and obviously we're following ryan reynolds as an npc character and it's like the world around you is not real. And these um, very much similar to Resurrections, it's like, you know, you have sentience or other people from the outside world coming in and like, you know, running things. I mean, obviously the, the effect is different in that sure. they're treated as throwaway people in the world of the game in that one. But I think it's especially with the game parallel that's in Resurrections, you know, but especially right, the first right. act of it, it's like, there were moments in that where I, where I felt like there is a there is a commentary in there, and you know you even have game awards uh, <laughs> mentioned a couple of times, um, which uh, then when all of that happens, I just I don't know why it just sort of connected. Like this is one of the two movies this year that almost critiques this this part of the digital world. Yeah, no, absolutely, and it's funny because you know the Matrix was obviously a puzzle piece. Mm-hmm on our free guy episode and here it comes back around Mm -hmm. and i do think the idea of changing within the world of the movie that you know oh it's not these movies that the guy was a part of it's it's the games that he was a part of and making the whole uh world of the matrix that we had previously seen be part of a video game it it fits so much more just because of the way video games suck people in you know and so (laughs) it's like it really makes sense in a way with the way people spend hours and hours and hours hours and years of their lives in these games nowadays and so it it makes sense that that's what the matrix would end up being Mm -hmm. something as trivial as that which even is critiqued in the movie itself it's like you take this entire legacy just to make it into a video game and um, yeah you know it's like there's something more more to the story but you're just making it into this thing that people can just play and it means nothing to them beyond we can do cool stuff in here but there's so much more yeah. to it. And I don't know. I think it all plays into the identity commentary of the Matrix series, you know, which the Wachowskis have really embroidered into it, I guess. Yeah. And and especially now, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty clear in this one that, that oh, that was all there the whole time, even mm-hmm. though it was always like a kind of rumored thing or like mm-hmm. the- theories and whatnot. But it's as there as can be at this Absolutely. point. So uh, do you have any more pieces you wanted to bring up? Actually, the third one I was going to say is an obvious one, mm-hmm. but it's Inception. Sure. But, um, which, you know, Inception was often brought up as, well, since we're going with the puzzle piece concept, was often the Matrix was brought up in that. And how there were concepts of, you know, what the dream world was like and, and the stuff mm-hmm. that you could accomplish in that, that obviously you can, can't do in person. Like, you can't 
fly and have anti-gravity battles in the real world. Right. Um, and then you're hooked up to a machine, obviously, and you're going in. And I remember at the time there were comparisons to The Matrix when that came out. And now we're, so it's like full circle, just like with Free Guy. It's like, it's full circle with that too. It's like we've come around to this point with Resurrections as well, where there were moments that kind of reminded me of it. Yeah, no, totally. And yeah, that's something that kind of jumped out at me on my recent rewatches of, of the Matrix trilogy is just how much of an impact I think they probably had on Christopher Nolan. And yeah, in, Inception totally then comes free, uh, full circle here to Matrix Resurrections. And I, I think that this movie also, it, it has that same thing of like, you know, your audience better be along for the ride of, you know, which level of dream world that they are in at this point, because otherwise it's like, you know, forget about it, you're going to be completely lost, but the director kind of just trusting that their audience is going to be able to hang. Absolutely. And, and, and since this one is especially built on the sequels, the legacy that they've left behind, and even the canonical games, which is they reference more than once in, this, in Resurrections, especially Matrix Online, um, yeah. with Morpheus, like there is a reason you don't see Lawrence Fishburne in this because of something that happens in that game. You know, so yeah. I think with all of that in mind, and the Wachowskis have said that's canon. So with all of that in mind, when you get into Resurrections, it's like you knew everything going in. You, or you had to because it's, it's yeah. built on an entire legacy that's gone on for years. And, and you know, just the stories that people have been telling and expanding that, that world, the digital world. So, yeah, it just feels like a it feels like it's all come together, like a culmination. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a great uh, list of a few pieces right there. And I'm sure we're going to get a wide range of pieces as I get through the other conversations I have scheduled for this <laughs> uh, this whole super episode. Uh, are there any other thoughts you wanted to, to bring up before we uh, close this thing up? Well, um, well, like I said before, we were well before we started off recording, we were talking about it a bit. You know, I understand the divisions for the movie. I absolutely do. Um, I understand where, why people would dislike it, but I understand why people are loving the movie as well. I mean, we both quite enjoyed the film and yes, I would say like as my most anticipated movie of the year, I think for the most part, it does deliver what I expected a matrix sequel to deliver. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are shortcomings. There were things that I think could have been handled a little bit better. Um, especially with the meta commentary, I feel like that at one point it becomes the, the victim of its own critique, if you will. Because uh, <laughs> like, okay, so now we're critiquing sequels, but now you're becoming the same sequel. So, Right. Well, it's funny. It's a $150 million <laughs> blockbuster. I mean, at some point, it, you know, yeah. the cynical side of yourself <laughs> wants to say like, well, come on. You know? <laughs> we, st- we have to make the most of that $150 yeah. mil, And so you get a big third act, um, which is fine. Uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, I've seen the movie thrice now, once in theaters, twice on HBO Max. And and frankly, I I think it's gotten better for me as I watched it. Certain ideas sort of process a lot better. And I'm so curious for what's going to happen in a few years, like when people talk more about this movie in, in days to come. Like Because actually someone brought this up. It's like, um, also it's like, it's like Last Jedi in that subversive way. And sure. you know, it does some things which took a while for some people to like look back on and say, oh, that's what you're doing. And right. it's like, now you watch, now you see a lot of lists, list that as one of the best Star Wars movies. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen with this, maybe, 
maybe it will. Um, but yeah. you know, I think I think there's a conversation that's going to go on for a long time with this one. Just based on what you were just saying there, I, I think the weird thing is that The Matrix is one of the most influential mm. movies of the last 25 years, probably, you know. Um, I don't see this movie being influential that much mm. in, in any way. I can't imagine other filmmakers taking things from the movie, mm -hmm. but I think as an entry in the series, I think people will grow to really love it and really love just how bold and weird and mm -hmm. different of a direction that Lana took it and that it, it ends up becoming like a vital part of what The Matrix is as a series. And I think that is uh, in some ways just as important. I mean, you only get one Matrix series. And so for, for a movie to come out and like really be a big part of what makes The Matrix The Matrix, I think that's uh, that's an important thing too. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. So, uh, Sharia, before we leave, why don't you tell people where they can find you and your YouTube channel and everything else you're up to? All right. So you guys can find me on Screen Rant right now. I'm a writer over there. We talk a lot about whatever's coming out. And in fact, I've just written a few things on the Matrix Resurrections, including some questions that you may want some answers to. So you can check me out over there. Um, I'm also on YouTube as my, my channel is my name and uh, where I also reviewed the Matrix Resurrections. So you can come check that out as well. And of course you can find me on Twitter under the same name and would love to talk to you guys on there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and uh, hopefully we'll get you on a full episode one of these days soon. Thanks man. It was an honor being here. All right. Joe Black is with us now to talk about Matrix Resurrections. Joe, how's it going? It's, it's going great. Uh, the Matrix is out. How could it be going uh, any other way? So exciting to be going back to where it all started, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. What a, what a literal statement you just made. There you go. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Joe, I'm not 100% sure here. Uh, you've been on the show many times before, but I, I'm trying to remember, are you a Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions guy? Yes. You are. Yes. That's uh, what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I I would I kind of count them like the Kill Bill movies, where I think of those as like parts one and two, like it's one movie thing. to me. Yeah. Um, and uh, that one movie, if you will, is maybe in my top twenty of all time. Okay. Um, I I adore those films. The first one, funny enough, I I mean I watch the sequels once or twice a year, every year, but mm. the original, I don't really ever watch, and when uh. The new one's coming out. My wife and I, we got to go to a very early screening of it. Like I saw this movie like five months ago mm -hmm. and um, she had never really seen them. So we rewatched all of them. And it was my first time seeing the first one in forever. And I was like, at the end of the first one, I was like, ah, you know, I don't think that's a very good movie. Mm. I, I like because, uh, you know, two and three. Like I said, they're kind of one movie. So they have this complete kind of arc and they tie up a bunch of loose ends from even the first one. But when the first Matrix came out, that's the only one in the franchise that we didn't know there were going to be sequels. Sure. You know, yeah. Even when the Matrix 2 came out, we knew three was coming a couple months later, you know. Right. Um, right. But the first one was supposed to be a standalone movie, potentially. And I feel like watching it in that context, the whole third act is a real letdown. Because mm. it's like they build up this great world and this evil superpower of the Matrix and Neo becoming the one. And then the whole plot of Act 3 is to save Morpheus. Mm -hmm. Like, it just didn't really... Like, I, I've always felt... I feel like when Neo gets shot at the end of the first Matrix and becomes the one, that's the break into Act 3. 
Like him getting shot and killed, that's the dark night of the soul. You know what I mean? And then he becomes super Neo and he should go fight the fucking Matrix. Right, take right. down the matrix you, you know what i mean sure. which is yeah. of course what happened in three and or two and three but again we didn't know that at the time right so right. one is the only one to me that doesn't really uh <laughs> hold up in a way it's funny because i knew going into like all of these conversations for the super episode i would have some wildly different takes all across the board but the matrix one not holding up that's that's a pretty big one right there <laughs> but, i mean look like you know. look like, yes you're right and i do say ridiculous <laughs> things quite often on your uh, show but i will give it all the credit in the world for how revolutionary bold daring and successful it was what however you define those terms like right it's right. L- like lord of the rings like no matter how, what you think of it it's kind of written in stone sure y- yeah. you know what i mean um yeah so and and without it, we wouldn't have two, three, or four. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so to to bring it back, and the reason why I bring up the uh, reloaded and revolutions, I feel like I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I feel like most of the people I'm going to have on this episode are like me, didn't really like two and three, mm-hmm. and so I'm curious for you what the feeling was going into a fourth Matrix movie. I was terrified. Yeah. I I've been dreading it, in fact, because yeah. um. I, I don't I, well say dreading it is the wrong way to put it. I love the Wachowskis like mm-hmm. from start to finish every single movie they've made. I yeah. loved Jupiter Ascending. That movie was yeah. uh, one Mila Kunis shy of being perfect. Yeah. Um, and I and, and I like it for different reasons, but you know it's a midnight movie for me. And so there are that's... some really great lines in that movie. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I love it. But but so like the fact that they were making it okay, great. We're already off on the right start. But there were so many. You know, for me, the Matrix movies, the bells and whistles, as shiny and loud as they are, all that can get swept away as far as I'm concerned. I love what they're presenting, what ideas they're presenting. And I also love the approach that they're presenting them as. It's literally a discussion presented as Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which the Merovingian actually in this new one really addresses very well. Sure. Um, who Merovingian is my favorite character. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, in in all of them, especially this one. But I I thought that like there was no better time to make a Matrix sequel now that society literally is plugged in. Right. To the Matrix, you know, and especially the time they announced when they were doing it, that was like, you know, at the peak of uh, Black Lives Matter and the Me Too movement and the beginning of the pandemic. You know what I mean? Like, Like all this is happening at the same time and, and and it really calls into question how much control and freedom do we actually have mm-hmm. and i always thought an interesting idea for a fourth matrix would be well now that the machines have been silenced and humanity is left on their own would we be able to handle it or would we would society as a whole be like cyrus from the first one where he's like no i want back in sure yeah. You know, I want the government to take control of me, but also they're a police state trying to, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. that conflict we were feeling as a society, I was like, no better time for the matrix than that. That's not what we got. Mm-mm. And, and I was so nervous about that. That's why I was so happy to see an early screening. I told my friend who got me into it. I was like, I don't even care if the effects aren't done. I need to see right. it. Yeah. And what, it, what we got instead was a film about the artist's role in a revolution And also very specifically about, honestly, I know it's going to sound crazy, but a society without God, 
Mm. Like, especially society built on <laughs> the idea of God, that mm. then God no longer exists in that society. Yeah. That's what we got. Yeah. And uh, and I loved it for it. Yeah. I had to see it twice. That's why I've been I like I told everybody because everybody who knows me is asking, did you love it? I'm like, I have to see it when it actually comes out, because all I cared about the first time was like, please don't suck. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's know? got a lot riding on it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so well, we'll get into more of those thoughts along the way. What do you have for puzzle pieces here? Okay, so the first one, I'm gonna go a little, I'm gonna lean into it a little, uh, a little easy. I'm gonna ease us into it. Hook. Okay. Uh the reason I was thinking of Hook, Steven Spielberg's um just embarrassment. Um the, <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the he's got a million of them. Oh, yeah. Um but uh have you seen West Side Story? Don't. Um the, the 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 reason I say hook is because you've got um you've got Peter Pan who has grown up now and he goes back to Neverland after what he thought was defeating Captain Hook, you know what I mean, and going back to being with Wind, you know, to be with uh, Wendy's granddaughter, uh, yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> but now he's back and he's searching for his children. So he's searching for the people that he loves mm. back in this world, but he doesn't remember his place in it. Mm-hmm. And he has to like relearn how to be Peter Pan, you right. know, and, and I, I think that that's definitely like at the root of this movie, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like, like reconvincing, but unlike any other movie, like unlike Hook, <laughs> this movie does. And I think the reason they took that approach was because they needed to readdress everything about the matrix to get everybody on the same page once more it's mm. almost like the most brilliant exposition dump of all time right right because this matrix and i think i told my friend because he asked after where he's like do you think this movie's gonna people are gonna like this i said i doubt it because mm. because it's not what matrix fans expect of the matrix right you know what i mean it's not visually revolutionary and it's not even as philosophical as it is it's more just it's 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 a more the movie is actually catered to 20-year-olds today. It's a it's a matrix movie for the Marvel era where mm. everything is clean, clear and specific. You know what I mean? It's a movie that's meant to be discussed the second the credits are rolling, not next Monday at the at the, you know, water cooler at the office like the original one. It's not something sure. for you to sit and think about. It's something that tells you what it thinks. Mm-hmm. which usually doesn't work, but this movie really does. Right. That could, that could be really dangerous, especially, you know, in sci-fi type movies when the thing that it wants to tell you is just some big, huge idea. And if they're just going to sit there just spouting it out, that could get so boring. Right. Right. But like Ghostbusters, the newest Ghostbusters movie, there's a real, like they, they, they reintroduced all the ideas that they had to introduce and then expand on mm-hmm. by making the film a discovery, a mystery. Neo mm. is rediscovering everything. So like even people who've never seen the matrix, but know about bullet time, like the fucking ad execs or whatever. Yeah. They it's that access point. And you know what I didn't appreciate the first time I saw it that I really appreciated yesterday when I saw it, you know, in its final release in its actual release and all that was that the film is subversive in that it actually takes a lot of time to breathe. Mm-hmm. Like there, it, it it still takes the time to feel for these characters. It takes the time to let them be flawed, it, it, which isn't the Marvel formula. And that's not a criticism of Marvel, but right. this movie is actually subversive in how felt the movie is mm-hmm. like there's a love for these characters, but not a reverence in a good way. Like they love these characters so much 
that they've allowed them to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And they, they and they're, this movie is a chance for them to learn. Right. Well, I think we we messaged uh, about, you know, what we thought about the movie and everything. And I, you know, I said that this movie is Lana loving these characters mm-hmm. first and foremost. That's that's what it is. And I think that that's something we just don't get that much. And especially in this like level of blockbuster, the hundred or hundred fifty in this case, million dollar blockbuster. Right. Well, and, and again, what you're, I like what you're, how you're putting it, though, they like Lana truly does love these characters so much that they don't have to be perfect. Sure. They almost remind me. I remember this story about Charlize Theron when she got the script for Fury Road. She was like, and they were like, play Furiosa. She was like, no, like, I, this is not a real character. She's just some white knight mm. that comes and saves these girls. And she said it wasn't until George Miller explained to her, no, 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 she doesn't save the girls because it's the right thing to do. She saves the girls because she wants to get back at Immortan Joe. Right, right. So she does it out of like revenge. And then, it, and so her motives are wrong. You so know what Lana, I mean? Lana is uh, is Furiosa in this scenario, right? No, no, Lana's George Miller. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. In, in, in yeah. that, in that, like, she wants the characters to. She lets the characters be wrong. Mm-hmm. She lets the characters like, and that's. I think that's ultimately the thing missing from Marvel movies mm. is that the characters are always right, except for yeah. Tony Stark, who's the worst character. I hate his character so much. <laughs> like, the, you know, but 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 like. They they allow these characters to be and do wrong um, in good faith. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and we don't see that enough uh, these yeah. days. So what other uh, piece do you got here? All right. I got one more piece and it's <laughs> I just want to make sure I get the episode number right. I pulled it up because I, I know the title. OK, great. So it's South Park season 22, episode six, time to get cereal. It is the episode where uh, Al Gore comes back. And the kids learn that man, bear, pig is actually not only real, but Uh also a threat. Mm This will make sense in a moment, I promise. So what was so crazy about the episode was that this was South Park. They're known for being the most like innovative and audacious creators, maybe right now, period, you know. Sure. And they made their episode originally about man, bear, pig, which was about how stupid Al Gore was Mm -hmm. about global warming and all that. And this episode, which was, I think, 12 years later, was an episode where they, the creators, were admitting that they were wrong initially. Mm. And that the more that they've learned and the more that they've grown, the more they understand and the more they see that they were wrong in what they thought originally. Right, right. right. And that ultimately, that, that's such a key component to this new Matrix movie. You know, it's no secret that uh, the Matrix has always been like, you know, an allegory for Christ, you know, religion, Mm -hmm. let alone Christ, you know, that Neo is, you know, is Christ and that uh, uh, Morpheus is John the Baptist and all this kind Mm -hmm. of stuff, you know. Sure. Um, But what's always interesting, what's interesting is that they end the original Matrix trilogy with Neo is dead. Evil is is the devil is dead, which is uh, Smith. Mm-hmm. Right. And like the child, uh, Sati is right, raises the sun on a new matrix. Right. Right. So why that's interesting to me is that God in this metaphor, if you will, Neo is dead. He's gone. So now the sure. matrix has to rebuild in harmony with machines without God. Mm-hmm. Right. And the Wachowskis are obviously spiritual and you know what sure. I mean? Like very obviously. And what they've done in this movie is 
they've realized that for their from their perspective a society without god can't is not going to function it's always going to fall and mm. god being whatever kind of higher power you you know what sure, i mean sure sure and so in this version of the matrix not only do they have god come back but god rediscovers his powers through femininity with trinity right mm-hmm. like so this hand in hand thing but then you also still have sati sati who was designed based on the love between trinity and neo sure in the originals so and trinity herself being the completion of the trinity to continue their christ metaphor yeah and at the end of this movie they flat out tell neil patrick harris we're staying and we're we're going to be a part of the rebuilding Mm -hmm. from now on with a with a balanced perspective you know what i mean um and i thought that that was so First of all, a crazy audacious move to make uh, like a very pro religion, you know, you know, let alone spirituality move, uh, uh, winter blockbuster, I guess. <laughs> but also the movie itself was kind of saying we only scratched the surface 20 years ago and we've actually learned more now. And then the reintroduction of Smith. Smith doesn't die in this one. Evil right. will not be defeated. That's not the idea. That's not the battle of good versus evil. It always exists. Right. Mm-hmm. David Lynch summed it up perfectly in Twin Peaks, uh, uh, the return when when uh, Laura Palmer's mom is watching the boxing video and the guy in the white shorts keeps getting knocked down by the guy in the black shorts. But the guy in the white keeps getting back up. He never mm. stays down. And that's the point. Right. 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 So I felt like this movie was their way of like and they also have things like the Merovingian saying, like, look what you've done to society. You've turned discussion and philosophy into a video game. And like, uh-huh. you know, they've they've realized that the idea wasn't full enough. And that's why we were able to take all the wrong things away from the Matrix. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? We took the sizzle, not the steak. And this is a way of accepting that as artists, but also expressing what they've learned. And almost making atoning in a way for their shortcomings. I I like that um, in in this read on everything, uh, in the absence of like a godlike figure, what takes over the entertainment business, you know, Hollywood basically. And I I think that that's so perfect. Exactly. And and again, I know some people are complaining that I know people are talking about the meta angle being lazy or something like that. But no, like. It almost reminds me of the new Spider-Man, which is that like, that's just how movies are these days, right? And the new Spider-Man, thankfully, when it brings in the two other Spider-Mans, they're not just cameos. They're not, it's not fan service. They're like, the story progresses with them. And you know what I mean? They become a part of the story that they're trying to tell. Whether mm-hmm. or not it's worth telling is another story. But <laughs> sure. but it's, it's the evolution of fan service, you know what I mean? And right now, we're in such an age of self-referential IPs, especially. That like, again, the Matrix, you know, the uh, Lana wants to talk to a modern audience. You have to talk on their level because mm. that's the point of being an artist. You sure. know what I mean? That's something that I as an artist and a lot of artists that I know, especially out here in L.A., fall into this trap where we think that every movie is supposed to be for us. But that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we you know, there are a lot of people who, you know, are older than us now that remember when the matrix came out and they're still just like, Oh, that was cool. The bullet time. You know what I mean? Sure. But we, we like when you're, when you're any kind of like professional in one way, you, you have a, you have a deeper connection to material. So like this movie is not for the people kind of, I feel like who grew from the matrix already. 
This is for people. This is to introduce people to the matrix. Mm -hmm. This is to this is to speak to a generation that we are ahead of in age only, of course. But like this isn't necessarily for the matrix fans, which is an interesting idea. Yeah. You know, but I as a matrix fan, I was very like excited to dude. When Jada Pinkett popped back up, I was like, Niobe, I was like, oh my God. Like I, I that's the most I've ever like fanned out like in my life. I couldn't believe it. You know what I mean? Um so like I I still dug it on those terms, but for the the hardcores, for the people, it's not what fans wanted. And it and in a way it wasn't for people who already knew what the Matrix was. But hey, that's the position Neo's in at the beginning of this movie, too. Last thing, um, and then we'll close it up. Uh, but I, I was just talking about this on another podcast about The Matrix. And mm-hmm. um, I feel like this movie might not, well, definitely won't be as influential as something like the original Matrix trilogy. But I do feel like us, you know, movie fans like us, movie people who pick apart every last little detail are going to be talking about it for a long time because of all those possible ways of reading this. Absolutely. I mean, that's the that's the beauty of a real piece of art. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they choose. And and, and what, what's what's really exciting about the Wachowskis is that they've always chosen to speak an artist's language in the you know, in the in the skin with the blood of entertainment. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Like even as far back as bound like that's they're like the Coen brothers in that way or, or you know, Tarantino. But Tarantino actually leans a little more on the cinema nerd side. But you get what sure. I mean. Yeah. Um, Another puzzle piece I was going to say was like Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Sure. You know what I mean? Where this is a film that more exists as a way to communicate as a way to communicate to like the what is happening right now in entertainment. Right. You know, and whether or not that makes for good storytelling is a fine is a great discussion worth having. For me, this one worked. Uh, like gangbusters. I absolutely love this movie. Absolutely. Me too. Well, uh, Joe, why don't you tell people where they can find you and uh, your films that you're working with right now? Uh, we finally have the website blue means pregnant films.com. It has every film I've ever made on there. Features, shorts, documentaries. Um, it also has contact info. If you want to get in touch, uh, our newest film, Natasha Hall is making its way on the film festival circuit. Um, so hopefully it'll be, uh, be in your neighborhood soon. Awesome. Well, thanks as always for being here, Joe. Thank you, as always, for having me. All right, so up next, we got Jack Hunter with us to talk Matrix Resurrection, someone who we should have had here on Piecing It Together long time ago. It's been a long time coming. Jack, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going good, man. Going good. You know, just uh, chilling down south, and uh, in, in two days, I will be heading your way, well, at least to the West Coast, and then one yeah. day in Vegas, so... Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Returning to Vegas. I awesome. am. That's the project. La- last time I saw you was here. So. Yeah. 2014 at a, God, what was it? It was a party for this uh, Red Sparrow Productions or something that oh, never, that's right. never all, happened. All the Vegas film things that like start and stop and happen and don't happen. And yeah, Vegas is uh, a weird film town for sure. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to completely agree with you on that. It's like, you know, productions um they change as many times as puff daddy has changed his name if not more that's true yeah yeah and there's a puzzle piece bam there you go (laughs) 
that's the first one of the day. Mic drop. Sure. Well, I, I got to ask you before we start getting into some Matrix Resurrections puzzle okay. pieces. I, I know you're you're a big superhero movie guy. I know you're a big found footage movie guy. Are you a big Matrix guy? Were you going into this? I, uh, yeah, uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, I was not, like, how I went into this movie was not expect. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, just mm. like, you know, the new Spider-Man and all these other new movies lately, when I go to the movies, I try not to know a lot about them, if that makes any sure. sense. Um, and yeah, I was dude, like I was obsessed. I want to say obsessed, you know, cause you know, when matrix came out, the, tr so did the trench coat mafia and then Columbine. So, you know, <laughs> you really couldn't wear trench coats cause it was bad you know 20 yeah, God, yeah. Gee, how many over 20 years ago yeah geez. yeah 1999 was the 20 year anniversary and oh yeah. yeah so it was like a year prior so yeah i i i was i was into it now when the sequels came out i uh, what what year did uh reloaded come out i know it was 2003 both of them surprisingly they came out like seven months apart or something yeah like february and then december right it was something something it was, like that it was massive yeah. and there's this Big, big, big promotion at the time. I wa I walked out of Reloaded at, at the theater opening night, and I said, what the hell was that? Because the way they ended it, <laughs> yeah. like, it was, it was so weird. Like, because you're, I mean, at the time, you know, you waited all these years, what, three or four years uh, for, or actually, what, five years? So, 99, so... Yeah, I don't, my yeah, four or five, four or five years. years. Yeah. So we waited all that yeah. time to see Neo again, Neo and Trinity and Morpheus, and then they, the way they ended it was like, what the? F I don't, I don't think, I don't know if I should curse, but you know what? You that could curse. Oh, okay, it was like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? I was so uh -huh, pissed yeah. off. I didn't even go <laughs> see Revolutions. I didn't even go see. It. I okay. waited till the DVD came out. I was so fucking okay. pissed. Um. Because I, I had loved, actually, I loved the Animatrix, the one that came out. It was like the prequel, uh, only like true, if you remember that, you know, they tried to do something different, which was ahead of its time, uh, using different uh, animation styles to tell a Matrix story, which was a prequel to uh, Reloaded. And I thought it was only going to be like 30 minutes, but no, it was like a 90 minute movie. And I fucking Hell loved yeah. it. I loved animation. Yeah. You know, more characters made sense in, in part two to me after that. Sure. Yeah, no, the Animatrix really kind of ties all that together. And I, on my recent rewatch of the whole series, including Animatrix, that which I had never seen up until just a couple of weeks really? ago, that really, yeah, it made me appreciate the sequels a little more. Even though I still don't think they're very good, uh, they're, you well, know, first one's amazing, but yeah, second, it definitely helps tie it all together, though. What, what I will say before we get into our review is like at the time, okay, so it, people that are listening to this this podcast. And you're like 22, 25, 27. Hell, actually, be before 30, let's just say that. Because, you know, if you're before 30 and you um, have never watched The Matrix or you've watched them, you got to think about this. At the time, they amped this movie up to be groundbreaking, just as big as the, uh, the original. So in Reloaded and uh, Revolutions, we thought we were going to get this top-notch CGI amazing fight scene in both of them. Now, granted, the fight scene was badass, but CGI fucking sucked when they would mash mm. in the animated CGI with the real actor. It was obvious that it wasn't 
Keanu. It was like CGI fighting, you know, Neo fighting Smith. It wasn't really him. And they mm. amped it up and it was so bad. It was it was just not symmetric to the way a body would move. Even though it is the Matrix, mm-hmm. I get that. But it it was nowhere near it. Nowhere near it. It's it's interesting to hear you say that because going into uh, Resurrections now, I, I'll just say right now, I love this new movie. I'm not sure where you fall on it. We'll find out in a minute. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I'm hearing a lot. Obviously, this is a very polarizing movie, and one of the main complaints I'm hearing is on the CGI, on the 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 quality of the CGI. And so the fact that you're saying that that Matrix Two and Three didn't have as good of a CGI as the first one. Maybe people should have been ready for that a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I kind of agree with you. No, you yeah, I, I completely see. That's the thing too. And uh, yes, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I, I was actually watching okay, it awesome. with uh, before the show, and I didn't realize it was like almost a three-hour movie. So, you know, because I asked you, I was like, "So in an hour, right?" And you're like, "Yeah, that's when it, we're, our yep. show is." And then I was like, "Okay, I should have some time," and it's and it's going, and it's like. <laughs> Fuck! I didn't realize how long this movie was, <laughs> but um, <laughs> dude, it's so much. It, I will say, uh, upon second viewing, it, it's it's better than the first viewing. Like it's um, mm-hmm. you know, to go and wait for twenty years for a great sequel or mm. reboot, uh, and I'll leave it at that. I'll say, but they they did it. They they did it. Let, let's get into some puzzle pieces yes. for resurrections yes. here. Uh, and and feel free to spoil away as you're going through things. Should um, we spoil? We them? always assume that people. Yeah, spoiling is fine. We always put the spoiler warning at the beginning of the episode. This is a podcast about digging deep in. People should have watched the movie first. So feel free. What do you have for your first puzzle piece? My first puzzle piece, and I think this is gonna mind fuck everyone because some people may have not <laughs> seen it because it was a box office flop. But mm. my favorite, one of my favorite actresses is in it. I'd say actor, but that would be kind of, eh. I mean, he's, he's, he's okay, you know. But uh, mm. Jupiter Ascending with Mila Kunis oh, okay. and Channing Tatum. And my puzzle piece to this is the movie. I guess the synopsis is it's, it's really deep. And I think that's what you're really going for here uh, is finding out your whole life was fake due to you not knowing slash realizing who you are seeing that you're Mm. greater than everyone else knowing it but not knowing why yeah so it's like in the the matrix resurrections neo uh mr anderson is Mm. his whole life in in this version it knows he's great but he doesn't know why he knows he's meant for something he obviously sees life differently and just doesn't doesn't can't grasp what that thing is what that niche is i think that that's i think that's a really great uh piece to bring into this and it, it kind of kind of speaks to the wachowskis like a big theme for them is figuring out you know who you are and that is like a, a big part of a lot of their movies I, I would say that even goes in the speed racer as well but uh definitely with jupiter ascending and and i actually like that movie me I, too i like it for I, I like it for different reasons though i i think it's one of the most ridiculous spectacular ridiculous movies like and it's so much fun to watch i don't necessarily think it's uh good it's probably like 
towards the bottom of the Wachowski ranking for me. Yeah, but yeah. I, I do enjoy it, though. I've, I've seen it like two or three times, and it's so much fun to watch. Like, they go so big on it. And I, I appreciate a, a filmmaker that goes big like that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's like when they, it, it feels like when they make it, they made it, they tried really hard. And you can tell they wanted this to be a box office smash. And, you know, it could have been. But I, I again, they made a movie ahead of its time. If this movie would have came out yeah. right now, oh, it'd be a hit because of the love story, because of being different, but always mm-hmm. knowing you're meant for something more. You know, uh-huh. it, it just it's 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 that positive vibe. And if they did like a reissue of it, you know, like they do with uh, all these old movies, but they keep picking the wrong ones to re-release or reboot or whatever the fuck you want to say. And if they mm. pick these certain, um, I think it's going to be a cult classic in all honesty. I think in like 10, 20 yeah. years, people are going to look at this and be like, damn, that's Magic Mike. That's the chick from fucking <laughs> that 70s show, if they're old enough. And be like, how I never sure. seen this, you know? I just love the, and, yeah. and it has that superhero vibe too as well. You know, flying yeah. elves or whatever the hell Channing was. It's a crazy ass movie for sure, and yeah, there's they're throwing everything oh, they could into it, and it's it's, wait, it's wild. It's Cinderella. That's what the movie is. Yeah. It's a space Cinderella. Think about it, if yeah. you've seen it. But yeah, so go check it out, yeah. guys. It's it's not bad. Absolutely, absolutely. And I will just say, there's a lot of uh, fairy tale going through all of the Matrix movies as well. We brought that up in our uh, Matrix trilogy episode, and uh, yeah, it it's all throughout a lot of this stuff, and so it, it totally makes sense there. But uh, what do you got for your next piece? Uh, Minority Report, starring Tom Cruise. Okay. Uh, the reason I say this is because something that knows you're about to do something bad, in this case, but prevents you from, I guess, prevents you from seeing your own destiny, something else that forces you to make a choice, not on your own behalf or will. Basically, mm. I would say the puzzle piece to this is how this machine that already knows what you're going to be like this computer can tell can will know if you're meant to be greater but will put something an obstacle in your in your in your in your journey without you sure. even realizing what's happening and that is what the uh Neil Patrick Harris character is is doing and that'll go along with my next my next puzzle piece but you know he he instinctively or intentionally gave him the blue pills so yeah he wouldn't find out what amazing person he is you know and and that's and that's that's the truth of it you know and and that also has a lot I, i would say that part of the movie is more real today than anything in the sense of, you know, Dave, you know, you have you have the so many talents, okay? Uh, Jewish Dave, you know, you do the music, you do the beach, you do the scoring, the podcast, uh, and, and everything else. And that's as if, and and it's it, what I'm referencing this to. It's like if I knew you were that good, and I intentionally fucked you over so you wouldn't get to that next mm-hmm. level. And and that goes yeah. that goes into the real world, like you know, in situations that has ha- that have happened with me as a filmmaker and me wanting to be great or greater, mm-hmm. but then and someone else is jealous of that, so they cut me off. 
in this scenario, you sound like uh, Facebook and Twitter algorithms, making sure none of my shit gets out to anybody. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, no, no. Um, I, I, I didn't even think of that. I apologize, but no, but no, that that's, <laughs> no, that's the truth. Perfect. That that's no, great. It, it's the machine, right? Yeah, right. The machine. <laughs> yeah. Like you want to post something on on Twitter, but then Twitter is like, oh no, no, no. See, this this is this is real. And we can't let people see it. Nope. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it's exactly that. Exactly. Yeah, that. no, that's awesome. I, I love that piece and I love that explanation of it. And it's, it kind of leads into that whole separate thing about social media and everything mm-hmm. that this movie is comment, commenting on and just how, uh, you know, see, you know, people are basically just, uh, you know, locked into all this and happy with it and don't realize going to be happy with it because yeah. it's human nature, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and we just accept it. Some of us just accept that we, we, you know, there are, some other, of us. yeah, some of us, but you know, you got to see through the bullshit and that's with life in general. You just got to see through all the bullshit and, and make your own opinion and not let yeah. something else sway your view. Like find, yeah. do your own research, you know, type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm not saying anything towards, uh, what's happening in the real world right now. I mean, I mean in general, you know, don't sure. pretend you're a doctor, you know, type of stuff. You know, and, and that, and I'm not, I'm not anti-vax or anti-anything. I'm just telling you, you know, just in the, wow, I'm just seeing this though. The context, the subcontext of the, the, what, what, where'd you use the, uh, the narrative? I think the sub-narrative of this is, mm-hmm. is making your own choice, your free will. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's all. It's all that's, about choice. These yeah, movies. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and having free will. I think that's what I'm really actually just realizing as i'm talking that is exactly what this movie is the subcontext is is free will and and it's something that we need to take advantage of uh in this day and age with everything absolutely well uh you said you have one more piece for us i have two pieces two pieces oh Uh, yeah two more yes remember you said you had a rebuttal for one of them and i'm like i'm I'm in oh yeah yeah yeah. uh all right so this one may take everyone off guard but the truman show starring jim carrey classic uh again ahead of its fucking time all these movies were ahead of its time in that sense um and my piece is having your life already predicted to fit the narrative of someone else while you think you're in control when in reality your steps are being altered by a bigger presence Mm -hmm. so absolutely i i think you know in, in that movie you know this guy having no clue about the real world everything in his life was fake just like everything in neo's life within the matrix is fake and you have smith and and neil patrick what is his character what is is he a virus i don't even know his fucking character yeah the the analyst i get i guess he he basically makes decisions for the machine as to you know what what what, you know the humans in in the virtual matrix world are going to be Uh, doing okay what our lives are going to be like Right. Okay. That that kind of makes sense. Okay. So in the matrix, it's the doctor, you know, he's, how can I say discrediting his feelings and dreams to fit sure. his narrative throughout the whole yeah. damn movie. Like uh, up until the point yeah. where, you know, Neo comes to the, his enlightenment. And yeah. by the way, I love that struggle uh, because we didn't see that in the first three films. Of like, no, this can't be mm-hmm. real. In the first one, he just was like, oh, okay, cool. 
yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. you know because very keanu yes and, and keanu is one of the best actors of all time hi chad and um <laughs> you know every one of his movies is quite amazing again hi chad um and i can't wait for mm. um john wick four. Oh, hi chad <laughs> anyways um okay uh my, my next uh, oh do you have any rebuttal for that one uh no, I, I completely agree. And I, I recently rewatched it and it, it's fantastic. It holds up so well, just like the original Matrix does. And uh yeah, no, great piece. Absolutely. Okay. So this next one is huge spoiler, but uh Spider Man No Way Home. And my piece is this is a long one. What we are seeing is an alternate universe. We think we are watching a sequel to the original, but with one glitch things are sent into an alternate timeline. Hence, why Agent Smith and Morpheus aren't the same actors. One glitch in Spider-Man leads us to a multiverse to where we don't really understand what is going on until the end, when in reality, we are still asking ourselves, what the fuck just happened, in a good way. And it's where meta meets nonfiction meets expectation. Whether or not your expectation was high or low, the end result is all up to how you expected it to be. Could be a good expectation or a bad expectation. Interesting. Okay, it was deep. Well, I, I like the way you, I, I like the way you put it. Um, aside from the fact that you know it's too new to have really uh, you know inspired this movie, I think it does make for a good companion piece in a way. So yeah, I I did have a rebuttal to this though. Okay. Um, and I I think it's I think it's an interesting piece, and I think these movies definitely can be in conversation with one another. But I feel like one. This and don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed Spider-Man: No Way Home. It's it's a lot of fun, but I feel like that is a way to take the idea of of going back into the world of a movie and just kind of folding in on itself with every possible reference to previous versions of its own franchise and doing it in a way that's kind of empty and just for fun. Whereas Matrix Resurrections is is referencing its own self and referencing everything that's happened in the previous matrix movies in a way that opens up new questions and new interesting ideas right and to me that's that's more of an interesting way to do things and i don't know i, I obviously more people are going to see spider-man oh <laughs> yeah home. yeah it's going to it's the biggest movie of the year and everybody loves it and i don't blame them it is like i said a lot of fun but you know personally i just think that uh, i get more out of a, a matrix resurrections i i you know what i will agree with you on that i think the, the thing is is matrix resurrections is a very smart movie and i say that yeah. meaning like I don't, you know, it's going to sound really bad, but I don't give a fuck. If, if you're not intelligent on another level of, I guess, science fiction, where you can actually blend, you know, the, the lines of reality just for a little bit while you're watching a feature film, mm. then, then you're, then it's not your type of movie. Go see, go see Spider-Man where it's like in your face, where you don't have to think because it's all revealed sure. to you. And yes, that experience was fucking amazing. But yeah. Resurrections, how can I say, just like the movie Us, okay? I don't know if you like that. I, I don't think you did like Us. Uh, I was a little mixed on it, but okay. I, I, do, I do appreciate it for bringing up a lot of interesting ideas. For right. Sure. So it, these movies are deep. And mm -hmm. when, you, when you're expecting everything to be revealed to you, it's, it's, it's not going to be good. It's not one of those movies. And it's unfortunate 
because they won't get the experience like we do because we followed it for over 20 years. But mm-hmm. you're not going to get it because you're not invested. There's a lot. There's a, there's a lot to keep track of. And it's, yeah, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. Like you got to like invest yourself in it. And yeah. that is, uh, that's a big ask nowadays for sure. Oh, yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah. I know. I see the time yeah. that's recording and I'm like, holy shit, he only said 10 minutes. I apologize. See, guys, <laughs> this has been in the works for five years, everyone. Okay. I have commented <laughs> on several accounts. St. Jack, Jack Hunter, Jack Hunter 2, JHP. Like, and this is, I'm finally on it. So, and, and Chad is going to We be finally laughing. got you. Yeah. And, and you're not going to be able to <laughs> get rid of me. He's going to be so happy to hear you, this episode for oh, sure. Oh, Chad, well, Jack, why, yeah. do, why don't you tell people b- before we, before we get going, <laughs> tell people where they can find you and, uh, and your films and everything you're up to. All righty. Here, here's the big plug, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you can find uh, Horror Nights coming soon uh, to Dark Side releasing uh, worldwide Blu-ray release go to darksidereleasing.com you're gonna uh, i don't know if you'll see it there yet but maybe pre-order is there i don't know uh but we finally launched that one uh paranoia tapes you can find on tubi uh amazon prime uh, i don't know why tubi only has a certain amount on there it kind of pisses me off because i make a lot of you know decent money from tubi uh but Hey, I don't know the logistics of it, but go watch it there. Um, you can find special cuts of the films on YouTube. Just type in JHP LLC and our channel will come up and I have some different cuts of the movies. You can buy the DVDs on eBay, actually, which is quite amazing. Put my name in on eBay. Wow. Jack Hunter. Boom. I mean, this this knockoff uh, Indiana Jones comes up, too, but you might want to put paranoia tapes on there and you can uh, you can find all dude. We should do a puzzle piece on that, man. Like, oh, my God. Anyways, uh, featuring Jack Hunter and we're discussing Jack Hunter, National Treasure, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, you can find on eBay. I mean, I don't make no money from there, but guys, I mean, instead of spending like 16 dollars, 17 bucks on Amazon, you know, you can get it for like four or five bucks free shipping on ebay so go there i support the the sellers which sucks they're selling my movie because they apparently didn't like it or they got in bulk i don't know um but <laughs> seeing a different side of the movie business right yeah now. yeah um it's it's the dark side um but yeah and and uh jhp studios on uh facebook check us out there paranoia tapes horror nights i do have a jack hunter filmmaker slash podcaster page but yeah, so that's where you can find me, Facebook, all that. Uh, I do horror artwork, digital art at Fixed Horror Art uh, on Facebook too. So yeah, that's pretty much it. And and awesome. and well, Jack, thanks so much for being oh, here. And I was going to plug glad- you. Oh, you got one more. I was going to plug you. Oh, okay, but uh, we'll wait for that. <laughs> All right, JC is back with us. JC from Screen Fix fame, of course. JC, yeah. how's it going, man? It's all right. It's good. Uh, surviving. Yeah. You know, it, you know, it's, it's, it's always uh, an honor to be here, uh, to be on this podcast with you, David Rosen. Is it, uh, is it a stretch to call you uh, a podcasting sex symbol? Is that a stretch? <laughs> I don't think it is anymore. I don't think you can deny it anymore. I just think that that's, that's what it is. It's, it's, I mean, I- it's facts. I'm not going to fight you, but I don't know if stretch <laughs> is the right word, but um. <laughs> <laughs> don't fight me uh-huh all right let's let's talk about matrix resurrections how about Just that like, uh <laughs> jc are you a big matrix fan sure yeah i mean i i saw the you know the matrix 
when I was, you know, quite young. I think I saw it. I think I had just, just graduated high school, I think. Mm. And I saw that movie. And I remember it was, it was one of the, the few movies where I think I, I was already starting to get, as in my early 20s, I was already starting to get, you know, like too cool for some movies. You know, you start like discovering, when you get a certain, certain age, you start discovering like, like indie movies and different movies because you sure you yeah. know because high school kids like like that stuff i'm a i'm a big i'm a i'm a i'm a grown-up now i have to like yeah so no but of like uh, i remember seeing the matrix and it was one of the only movies that i saw like you know you, you never think that you're you know after every kind of movie you see that's a big uh event in your life like a like a Star Wars or something like that. You you, you never think you're going to have that feeling ever a- again. Mm-hmm. And Matrix came close. It was one of those movies where you watch it. It was so different. It was so exciting. The special effects were so incredible and groundbreaking. And yeah. the end was so dramatic. You know, the music. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> he is the one. And he jumps. He stops all the bullets. And he's all fighting with one hand. And you're just like, oh, you're filled with that, you know, feeling that, you know, you always think, I'm never going to feel that again. But then you always yeah. do about a couple years later, something happens. Yeah. You know, like with, uh, you know, um, Avengers uh, Endgame. I was like, I'm sure. never going to feel that again. But then I saw Spider-Man. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not that you're never going to feel something again. You just have to wait a while, you know. It's that's all. But yeah, yeah uh, Matrix was was a big movie. Matrix Two, I fell asleep in. Matrix mm-hmm. Three, I saw and was like, okay, that was some cool action. That's about all, all all I can say about those those movies. I mean, I think it's not such a a, a secret that two and three are not loved as much as one. Oh, yeah. uh, they kind of. Uh, dive heavier into the mythology and the side plots and zion and the real world and they're not that those are not the most interesting things right although i think this movie doubles down on that which is kind of interesting um but uh this movie oh my god So, yeah, we might as well get that out right now. You're the first person. I, I know of the people I have scheduled to talk to. Yeah. Some of them don't like it. But you're the first right. one I've talked to who doesn't like it. I love this movie. No. Um, so let, we might as well jump right in and we'll get into puzzle pieces. But along uh-huh. the way, I, I definitely want to hear your grievances because, uh, you know, the, this being a super episode, that's the whole point. Let's get to a whole bunch of, uh, you know, points of view on this thing. Mm-hmm. But what do you have for your first piece here? Well, here... I can preface this. Ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Rosen, let me ask you. Uh, do you remember the Trinity opening from Matrix 1? Yes. Do you remember uh, Neo going into an office and getting a phone call and being told to go to the window and jump? Yes. Remember Morpheus? Remember uh, Agents? Remember the yeah. pills? Remember yeah. warping in and out? Remember camera shots and glasses? Remember cats? Remember running I up remember. walls? Remember the I white remember. rabbit? Remember bullets falling in slow motion? Remember eating steak? Remember gunfights in sprinkler rain? Remember Agent Smith? Remember Neo struggling with what's real? Remember the construct or the white room? Remember fighting Morpheus in a dojo? Remember Neo saying he knows Kung Fu? Remember bullet time? Remember punching columns? Remember neck tubes and pink goo pods? Remember Zion? Remember Niobe? Remember the architect? Remember Neo flying at the end? Remember the motorcycles? Remember the Merovingian? Remember dreams that feel real and come true? Remember trench coats and sunglasses? Remember Smith saying things are inevitable? Remember them saying Smith is killing him when he's fighting him? Remember a character telling somebody to stop calling them that name before finding a bunch of strength? 
Remember characters multiplying? Remember robots rushing to get to the heroes in the real world? Remember a helicopter rising into frame dramatically? <laughs> Remember putting up your hands to stop bullets? Remember wondering if Neo is going to make the jump? <laughs> Remember Roland, that girl's grandpa? Neither do I. But it's all in there. Well, all of it. Mi- you, mi- you missed one. You missed which, one. You, oh, you, went through, you went through all that. Remember the Rage Against the Machine song? Remember the, the Rage credits. Against the Machine? Yes. <laughs> Remember that that stuff? So we just watched, you know, a greatest hits of the first movie. I mean, he doesn't remember he's Neo until the hour mark of this movie. And we have just rehashed point after point after thing you remember, after thing you remember, after thing you remember, after thing you remember. remember. This is the stalest piece of trash I've ever seen in my life. So Mm. basically, he he doesn't remember he's Neo until the hour mark of the movie. And even then, he still needs to believe in himself. Like, we've already been through this with him like he's he's already been through this we, we uh you know he he jumped into the into smith in the first movie he bent the spoon why does he have to fight anyone in the matrix at at all why do all these people doubt him why does he have to remember all this stuff it it takes so long for us to get the 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 ball the ball rolling and once the ball is rolling it's not even that that it's not even that interesting it's just more rehashed plot points from from the first movie this movie does Nothing new. Oh wait, there's two new things: robot puppies mm-hmm. and uh, a ball bearings man. So there's two. <laughs> there's two new ideas in here. Um, and other than that, it is just a legit greatest hits. Look at this. Don't you remember this? Uh, th- there is nothing. This movie. There's nothing fresh in this film whatsoever. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was watching it, and actually, the second time I watched it, I was feeling more and more insulted by it that wow. it do- that it does nothing. They want me to sit through a movie that's doing nothing new, nothing. They're literally asking you to sit through the first movie uh, again, just in a different way. See, the, the 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 problem with this one is this movie is using the uh, uh, the amnesiac hero trope, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is the amnesiac hero trope only works when the audience doesn't know who they are either mm-hmm. you know and 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 you go through this with them if we already know who who he who he is and we have to sit through the the amnesiac trope for two hours not interesting at all that's why movies don't work this way mm-hmm. so it's uh you know and some examples of like the 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 amnesiac trope of course i'm going to throw out some pieces like uh, the amnesiac trope are movies like the Long Kiss Goodnight, Born Identity, Captain Marvel, you know, those kind, kind of movies where somebody just has powers and they don't know why and people are telling them who they used to be and all this kind of stuff. Right, so, there's, right. so there's a couple pieces there, but really the piece is just the overused amnesiac hero trope, which, you, which doesn't work in this case because, like I said, we know who he is already. We've already seen mm-hmm. this guy. So we not, so it, it's not interesting. You, there's no... There's no mystery. There's no uh, excitement. So I have to ask, and I, I don't want this to go too far down a tangent, but yeah. what did you think of Ghostbusters Afterlife? I loved Ghostbusters Afterlife until Gozer again. I'm like, yeah, are, the I'm same like, thing. I'm like, are right? we seriously doing Gozer and the and the Devil Dogs again? Like, are we doing this again? Why? Why are we mm. doing this again? Like, you could do, like, there are so many. It, it, there are just 
ghost stories, after myths, after legends, after so many things that you can do with this. And you went right back to Gozer. It was that was like another one where I was completely on on board until it was Gozer and it was Devil Dogs. And then you start like, you know, like rinse and repeat, you know, like, oh, the girlfriend's gonna turn into the devil dog, mom's a devil dog, the two people that, you know, it's just gatekeeper and key master i'm like oh like i i was doing the same thing i was like sighing and kind of rolling my eyes like mm. why are we doing this again why like yeah. why like why can nobody come up with like some kind of you know different story for you right. know you like you don't they did not have to 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 do that and of course you know and my my podcast screen picks is exactly what we do is talk about how what we would have done to make it you know different sure so my brain always goes goes there um yeah but yeah i thought the same thing i thought this does it worse okay <laughs> well i okay so i'm gonna play along just just for the sake of, of the conversation even though i i don't agree but i'm gonna say maybe i give lana wachowski a little bit too much credit because to me all of that is in service of the meta plot of commenting on the nature of blockbuster sequels and how similar they all are just give the audience what they want over and over again which is a big part of the narrative here and a big part of what i think works so well in the movie i'm sure that you don't see it that way that you see it as it just is that thing yeah i don't want the matrix to be a commentary on blockbusters what okay. why like what okay. that's not like the, the matrix isn't like satire like i just it's it's so out of place for the whole for this franchise and that's fair that's fair absolutely mm. to me though i feel like we aren't going to get it maybe ever again and i just I absolutely applaud the boldness of, of someone like Lana Wachowski actually using the ability to make a Matrix sequel, a $150 million Matrix sequel, and using it for that purpose. To me, I don't, it's just, it's different. It's different and unique, and it's, I think it's exciting. She did. She used her greatest franchise uh, to, yeah, she, you're right. She used it like a piece of trash. <laughs> and just she did she just used it and threw it away like a dirty diaper it's it's uh -huh. it's not it's not good like that's 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 not what you do with the matrix and that's what makes it so mm. polarizing is the matrix is not something that you use to make your own commentary it sounds pretty selfish if you ask me Interesting. so yeah i don't it's just not i mean i don't know i just don't see it there you're your same way yeah, I don't fully disagree because I do think it's it's a, a strange choice, definitely. Yeah. But mm -hmm. but I just I love that we got that because it's just something I don't picture ever happening again and didn't happen ever well, before. If you ask, exactly this way, yeah. I mean, if you ask uh, uh, Keanu Reeves, what he said about it is he said that Lana wrote a beautiful love story, so, which I think is also part of the movie. So even absolutely. even the actor in this movie, he's not seeing meta commentaries; he's seeing a beautiful love. story story so well I, I also think it's a very dense movie full of a lot of ideas and i do think the love story is a big part of it as well which of course is you know a love story that we already had in our first mm. in our first in our first you know sure. tr trilogy do you remember, do you remember that love story <laughs> do you remember that love story from the first one yeah we, involving the same two people <laughs> yeah, it's like ridiculous. so anyway actually something that that goes right along with this is one of my more like legit 
piece is is force uh-huh. is force awakens sure and actually the entire disney star wars tr- sequel trilogy and i'll mm-hmm. tell you why so force awakens kind of does the same thing callback after callback after callback sometimes even making fun of old callbacks you know it's like you know all all kinds of things like like when they they called them the millennium falcon a piece of trash and mm-hmm. you know the millennium falcon was originally called a piece of trash in the in in Star Wars, you know, so all those kind of same recognizable, con- you know, uh, you know, those recognizable callbacks, you know, mm-hmm. ca- you know, old, old characters showing up again and essentially rehashing beat by beat the same story just in a new little box. Right. Yeah. So uh, I think it has a lot in common with Force uh, Awakens. But let's jump to Rise of Skywalker for a second. So. Now we have it to where Neo and Trinity are some kind of super duo. They're both powerful, but together they're super powerful. Do you remember mm. that ridiculous plot point in 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 Rise of Skywalker? Where I Rey try and, not to. Where Ray and Kylo were a Force dyad. Do you remember that? They said they were so. a Force so. dyad, so they were like together. They were super powerful. Like it, it's so. Really, I think this movie is is like watching this this Disney Star Wars trilogy in a condensed form. And I think that's so funny because like and again, you know, we're coming from different sides of this and me loving the movie, you hating it. But to me, it's The Last Jedi. And to you, it's the Ugh. other two in in the in the trilogy, and and I I think that it really just comes down to how you see the movie and whether or not you connect with what they're trying to do here is what which version of Star Wars you see in this. Because to me, it's the movie that you know messes with with you know what this particular series is, and to me, that's exciting and fun. Whereas I totally understand someone who doesn't like the Last Jedi probably isn't going to like this either. The Last Jedi is terrible. Right, see, and it's my like, favorite Star Wars. Movie. Why do I want to watch a movie about some casino message about the military industrial complex and then a slow motion chase about running out of fuel? Like what like who who said that's what I want out of my Star Wars movie? It's <laughs> it's terrible. Like that's awful. And then like a non-fight fight with with Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker's grumpy and drinking blue titty milk. This dude is stupid. Like that movie's awful. Like that movie's very okay. That movie is actually shot really, really well. That movie's I think is gorgeous, uh, uh, sumptuous. I like the aliens. I love the shots. I like the throne room scene. Even though when you watch those really funny YouTube videos about the choreography of of the fight, and you just see people in the back fighting nobody, which mm. which is hilarious. If you go back and watch those videos. I've There's, never noticed that. It's hilarious. There's people that are just in the back doing moves and not fighting anyone. And it's really hilarious, actually. So, uh, but yeah, so I think there's a lot of just that same brand of, you know, rehashing old ideas and you know, forced dyad from, from, yeah. the, from the, the Star Wars series. Um, and then if I want to be real, real, real quick here, I know you're doing your super episode, super special. So super happy duper. to be part of your super, your super yeah. special. Uh, yeah. Um, the beginning where they're watching Trinity's scene from the first movie that reminded mm-hmm. me of like uh, uh, Back to the Future 2 when it, when essentially Marty's watching the events of the first movie 
Yeah, yeah. But he's like, but he's like, you know what I mean? Like, so I thought of that for a second. It's just like a ran- a random thing. That's a better version of Spaceballs, which is what I I was thinking of when I thought of that whole. Really, <laughs> that whole watching moment. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the movie uses that weird slow mo jumpy blur for the for like when Neil Patrick Harris is. Well, you find out that he's the architect when he's when he's using his slow motion. It's like this weird mm-hmm. jumpy blur. And it looked like looks like the same jumpy blur that Ridley Scott uses in his movies. Uh, for example, like you can see it really clearly in the movie um, Gladiator when they're doing their battle in the forest. They use this really weird jumpy, jumpy, choppy blur. And I was like, huh. where have I seen that before? And I'm like, oh, Ridley Scott movies. So, yeah, I, they look when they were in slow-mo, they look like weird Ridley Scott blur. That's interesting. I, I'm going to have to go back to Gladiator or some other Ridley Scott movies that use that because uh, I, I did not put that together. That's an yeah. interesting one. There. First, I thought, wow, that looks like bad 80s slow-mo. Like when it's like when it's it, you know how in the 80s when, the, when they, they, they would do slow-mo, and it was it was so blurry. It just looked like big old streaks and it was all yeah. shaky and terrible. Yeah, well, it, it reminded me of Ant-Man like and the Wasp was the thing that came to mind for me. Oh, really? Ghost character. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, see me. I was going, boy, that looks cheap, and you were mm-hmm. like, that looks great. Like Ant Man looks, looks like, like modern effects. That looks yeah, like, like the most charming Marvel movie. <laughs> we watch, <laughs> we, we watch two different things. We literally watch two different things. Uh, yeah. And I, I saw it in the theater and at home on on HBO. Max. Have Have you watched this movie more than once? Uh, just once so far. I saw it in IMAX, and I'm I'm planning on rewatching it this week. So, all right. Well, you better get on it here. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so do you have, do you have any more that you, you want to bring on up? your own show watching it more than you? No. Uh, uh, yeah, I have I have one more as a small one. Uh, the people jumping out of the windows reminded me of the M Night Shyamalan movie, the The Happening. Okay, for you sure. Remember yeah. when the the people were just like like committing suicide? There was that scene where people were falling out of buildings. They were just jumping off and committing suicide all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that reminded me of that. I was like, ew, gross. Oh, and also, did, <laughs> did you notice how they got away with making that scene not gory? You probably did not, did not notice this because you've seen it only once. So when they drop out of the buildings and they land on the street, instead of red blood, it's green code. That's awesome. How so is that that's not cool? How, that's how, it's terrible. That's how they got away from making it gory. Yeah, because then in the very next scene, that's like so, that's like that's like Mortal Kombat on Super Nintendo. No, but then in the very <laughs> next next scene, char- characters who were fighting have red blood on their face, and you're like, well, hold on a second. Is is blood is blood red in the Matrix, or is it green with code in it? Because I'm really confused. It's a cool visual, man. It's a really cool visual. What do you you want from Lana Wachowski and company? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, those those are great pieces, man. I I, I really, like, as much as I'm on the total opposite. You you said it. We watched two different movies. But um, those are great pieces, though. Anyway, I I really enjoyed those. And uh, I I think it's awesome. Any any closing thought? Anything else you wanted to uh, mention before we wrap it up? Yeah, sure. So I wanted to love this movie. I thought the trailer was so good. I was like, mm. oh my God, this trailer is so good. And I find that I'm falling for trailers a lot now. I just think mm. trailers are so good. And I figured a few things out. So trailers now, what they do is, is they don't give you any like, they don't give you like the, the Don LaFontaine, Don yeah, Fontaine, yeah. like, oh, and you know, he was a mild mannered guy with a big <laughs> secret. You know, they don't tell you that. <laughs> so 
what they do is, and I think movies are actually missing that because he used to just give you the plot and he'd be like, great. Now I got to figure out the plot through all the pieces, right? I gotta be like, I don't know. So I think that that hurts smaller movies where people don't know what the plot is. So they're just not going to go see it. But what, but one, one thing is, is uh, movies now what, what they do is um, so they'll show the trailer and what it is, is they will uh, have a cover of a song that you've heard. Right. Sure. And they manipulate you. Even if it's not your favorite song, you suddenly have some kind of emotional connection now to that. Go, Oh, I know that. And now mentally, psychologically, I'm like, you know, imprinting upon this, this, this trailer. It's, it's, you know, and like, uh, I think it's just like trick. I think I'm just getting tricked by these trailers and the, the visuals are so good in these trailers. I have no idea what the plot is, but it's got the neat song and a lot of cool little visuals. And I'm like, yay. And I go march to the movie expecting something grand. And I get tricked a lot these days. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want the voiceover. Just tell me what the plot is. I don't want your, I don't want your psychological marketing tricks. How do they trick you, JC? It's it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the analyst. That's how they, they, they know everything about you and they, they give you exactly what you want in that trailer. Awful. I know. Terrible. Yeah. It's all science now. So yeah, I put that there's that, but, um, also, I just want to say thank you for having me on again. Love being on this. Please be on Screen Fix again. We love having you. You're a Screen Fix all star at, at this point. You know it. And uh, uh, so, yeah, if if you want, please check out my podcast, Screen Fix, ScreenFixPod.com, you know, uh, Spotify, all that stuff. Uh, what is uh, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. Uh, also, uh, half of my time has been devoted to uh, Greenlight Cinema in downtown St. Petersburg, yeah. Florida. I've been hosting something called VHS Club there where I show a classic movie and then I host trivia uh, around it. Prizes sponsored by different podcasts. You want to sponsor a prize? You can, David Rosen. Just hit me I up. Want so, I want to. I want to. I want to go to that. That sounds like so much fun. It is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah. So there's that. That is a uh, uh, green light St. Pete. Green light S T P E T E dot com. You can get tickets there and stuff like that. But yeah, thank you, uh, David Rosen. You, thank you so much yeah. for being here, man. And I look forward to joining you again over there on Screen Fix. Sometime David soon. Rosen, sex idol. All right, so Pete Abeda from Middle Class Film Class is with us to talk some more Matrix Resurrections. Pete, how's it going, man? Doing great. Glad to be on the show. Yeah, this will be uh, fun. Uh, you are my uh, fifth of the day. Um, I'm not sure yet if we're doing more. I, I, I originally had seven lined up. I think you might be the last one, though. We'll see what happens. Wow. It's, it's a lot of Matrix talking. Let's just put it that That's way. a marathon. Yeah, it sure is. But uh, yeah, I, I, I've been starting this with everybody by asking the, the obvious question, which is, are you a big Matrix fan? Were you excited at the prospect of another one? Um, I don't think the answer to that question is not the same. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, or no, yes. It goes one, one way or the other. Yeah, the original <laughs> Matrix was one of my my most memorable movie going experiences in theaters it was mm. i was i was pretty young at the time and i was i went with my older cousin who was like four years older than me and it was mind-blowing obviously i mean how was, old were you at, roughly uh, i was born in 86 so okay yeah i mean little, i was just at the, me. just barely going into high school and um it was like wow these are concepts i've never even thought of it before yeah yeah 
And um, first time I ever saw someone uh, smoke weed in a public place was in that theater. And I was like, <laughs> we're all going to get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did like the sequels, obviously not as much, but you know, I didn't have the ire for it that a lot of people do. And, right. and I was optimistic for the, the fourth, I guess, the resurrections, but I was not really hopeful. So, mm-hmm. and, I, and I, did not, I did not find a whole lot of joy in it. Um, okay. Yeah, it 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 would it led me down a path of sorrow. <laughs> okay, so so we know where you're at here with this one. Then we know that uh, this did not quite work for you, um, as far as as a whole, a, as a whole, yeah. as as a movie itself. And and we'll get into uh, what didn't work for you. We've had a a very interesting mix of love it or hate it, and this is a very polarizing movie, which I think it was always bound to be but uh we will we'll get into what you didn't like and maybe what you did like along the way but let's jump into some puzzle pieces what do you have for your first piece uh my first puzzle piece is the cell from 2000 okay and that's the idea of sending someone in in this case into his uh, consciousness in the matrix and in the cell it was into his dream to mm-hmm. lure them out and bring them back into reality and it they also explored that in a much more much more uh, lengthy way and not so specific way in Come True of this year, which I really liked. Oh yeah, Come True is really great. And I, I believe, I'm trying to remember back to when we did the episode, I believe that we did discuss The Matrix as a possible puzzle piece for Come True. And I'm actually surprised now because we did just do a uh, a special Missing Pieces episode on the Matrix trilogy. I'm surprised we didn't bring up uh, The Cell as a movie that may have been inspired by The Matrix because... Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely deals with that same kind of thing of, you know, what's real, what's not real going into this dreamlike world and pulling somebody out. And, and yeah, I I think that part of, part of what happens here in Matrix Resurrections kind of doubles down on that and, and kind of raises the stakes of needing to show that person what's real and what's not real. Yeah. I, I think the really, one of the coolest things I like about The Cell, I mean, I like that movie a lot. It's kind of a guilty pleasure, even though. As I think as years go on, it's less um, thought of as a guilty pleasure and just as a cool movie. Yeah, yeah. But um, the the suits that they use to go into the brain um, is the same suits that they use in uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula at the very beginning. Really? It's the actual same prop. Yeah. Huh. Very, the red ribbed full body that's suit. Really, that's really wild. <laughs> I have to rewatch that movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but... Uh, yeah, man. That's one of the things, and whether you, whether you like... This movie or not, whether you like uh, other Wachowski movies or not, I just I, I think we don't have enough filmmakers who just explore just crazy visual ideas like this, yeah. you know. And the cell, of course, being another one, come true, being another one. I I just think that that's a very, uh, very unique and exciting thing. And so many movies are kind of, you know, just kind of going to the same well when it comes to particular kinds of visuals. But these people really try to push things in different ways. Yeah, I think we, we talk a lot on our show about, um, you know, w- w- what people are trying to get out of a, a movie. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people like that didn't like, say, Dune, that were of the, the, the most recent Dune was basically, well, the story didn't do a whole lot and it was just a bunch of flashy visuals. But I, I fell in love with Dune mm-hmm. and I don't need the story to be super rich. And I feel like almost with um, Resurrections, Matrix Resurrections, it's like I can almost forgive lack of a plot rather than a bad plot or a plot with holes. 
Mm. You know, so I would rather have there be less of it than something where I'm like, uh, okay, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense. But, you know, what about this? And I, I have come up with three things off the top of my head that kind of poke holes in the the plot as we're given, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I partially agree, but at the same time, I think then you get something like Revolutions, which, you know, doesn't work for me partially because of the plot and like, you know, what, what exactly are we even doing? You know, yeah. <laughs> things yeah. just get so <laughs> kind of messed up. But, uh, you know, I did think in my recent rewatch that the, uh, the Battle of Zion, if nothing else, looked cool. So it's like, you know, visuals, there you go. There's cool visuals. No, that's, uh, I, that's, a, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of questions left unanswered in the number two and number three as well. But um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you got for your next piece? Uh, my next puzzle piece is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind from 2004. Okay. And, um, you know, in, in Eternal Sunshine, um, anybody who hasn't seen it, stop what you're doing and go watch it. It's oh, amazing. Yeah. Great high content movie. Um, and there's a technology created to pull someone out or pull someone's memories out of their brain. And you have to go in and do it manually, which Elijah Woods does dutifully. And you're kind of given a, a tease in that at some point that it's not the first time that this has happened to either Clementine or Jim Carrey's character. I can't remember his name. Sure. And in this, it's basically the same thing. It's, it's uh, Thomas Anderson or Neo is getting his memory wiped again and then again. And then when he jumps off the building, he gets it wiped again. Yeah. And it's, it continually happens for the benefit of someone else that's not him. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a great piece. And I'm really glad you brought this one up because you're the first person to bring up a Charlie Kaufman-related uh, project. And yeah, when, when, I, when I first saw this, like that was my first thing. It's, and this is why I love the movie so much. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a Matrix movie uh, by way of Charlie Kaufman's kind of storytelling. And Mm, I do, I do really appreciate just how weird Lana Wachowski went with this. And mm. of course, meta is the word that's thrown around over and over again with this movie. And I think people's taste for meta will dictate whether or not they like this movie. And for me, I love that. That's just some of my favorite movies are very meta and, you know, especially dealing within the worlds of Hollywood. Again, something that Charlie Kaufman, you know, comments on a lot. I, I was reminded, especially, uh, you know, at the beginning of adaptation, how we are with Charlie Kaufman just you know, at the actual making of his last movie and how he's like, you know, obsessing over um, Catherine Keener and just how honest but ridiculous and weird and just funny all that is all at the same time. And I, I just think that that's so beautifully done here in The Matrix Resurrections. But again, if if somebody's not on board with the meta-ness of it all, it's just going to fall apart. Yeah, I, I did appreciate the meta aspects of it. Those were probably my favorite parts. The mm -hmm. the whole pitch meeting, internal pitch meeting for The sure. Matrix, the sequel to the trilogy game. I love yeah. that. <laughs> uh, I was confused why Christina Ricci had such a small role. I mean, they could have had anybody in that. Yeah. But didn't didn't like irritate me or anything. Um, but uh, yeah, I love I love um, Eternal Sunshine. It's uh, I first thing I thought of when I started watching it. I'm like, this is like, he just keeps getting reset, poor guy. Yeah, poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what do you got next? All right, next puzzle piece is um, two of them. Uh, one is lesser well-known, and that's Freaks from 2018, mm -hmm. which I absolutely loved it. Never hear anybody talking about it. It's so good. And Looper from 2012. And that is the concept of, in Looper, the Rainmaker is essentially 
other people trying to tamp down or quell down the power of this powerful character. And um, in this case, it's Trinity and Neo together. They're constantly being kept apart to keep their power in check. And right. in, um, in Looper, it's you know Emily Blunt trying to keep the Rainmaker, not necessarily hide his power. I mean, ultimately, yes, but just keep him in check a little bit. And obviously, that's kind of the whole plot of Freaks. So I actually haven't seen Freaks. Um, I, that, this sounds like something that I'm going to need to uh, seek out. Well, I won't say a single peep more. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to elaborate on that. It's absolutely the, worth the watch to go in as blind as possible. Okay. 2018. Well, I've got something to add to my list here for sure. Cool. Um, <laughs> awesome. Do you have any other pieces you wanted to bring up? Uh, yes, yes. I have, um, <laughs> I have a, a weird one. Uh, Space Jam, 1996, and Kill Bill, 2004. Well, okay, so not particularly weird on their own, but weird brought up in the same sentence. Let's sure, go. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's the, it's a, just a very small part, but it's a, it's a trope, which I like, and I always like to see it, is, uh, is calling a character by the wrong name, which sets them off. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And the reason, the reason why I love it is, for one, in Space Jam, it's, it's Lola Bunny. Mm-hmm. The heartthrob of all uh, preteen boys from 1990, 1996. Sure. Um, and she says, uh, you know, don't ever call me doll. And mm-hmm. it only pops up twice in the movie, but it's memorable. And then in, um, in Kill Bill, it was Oren Ishii not necessarily calling her the wrong name, but basically mis- misappropriating her nationality. Sure. For, pointing out that she have her, her white heritage and Chinese heritage. Um, and I, I always liked that. They do the same thing in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels to a lesser degree with uh, Vinny, I can't remember the character's name, mess with his son and just sets him off. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but in this, in, in Resurrections, the great thing that I really liked is uh, Trinity is, is set off because she's, being, she's called Tiffany just one too many times and right on the brink of her letting go. And she's like, I don't call me that. I hate that name yeah. to her, to her bow. And my name's Trinity. And that's almost exactly the turning point of Neo in the original matrix, mm-hmm. which is almost a nod to saying, well, maybe she's actually is the one in this one. Yeah. So I like that little breadcrumbs you get to lead you towards, oh, she's getting unlocked and maybe she has a bigger role than, you know, we think. And Neo kind of was a, a wet noodle throughout a lot of this movie. And I, I liked I liked the the swap of Trinity with her with him and uh, and that I think was the turning point for me. Yeah, no, that that, that makes sense for sure. And uh, th- that moment is such a fun moment, but also such like a heavy and powerful moment. And yeah, it's great for Trinity. And Tiffany is like the best like wrong name to be calling her. It's yeah. just so perfect. Hey, Tiffany. Yeah, it just sounds condescending. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and then I do have one small one, one more puzzle piece if you like. Okay, go for it. The in-universe reference to the an original prior movie. Mm-hmm. In this one, they do a really good bend on it where it's a video game. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that aspect of it, that detail, and I don't think any series has ever done it better than the Scream series. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Scream is on my like master list of possible pieces for this. If I was the one giving pieces, <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there's so much scream in this, uh, but definitely, uh, the callbacks to its own series is a big part. Yes. The stab of the movie mm-hmm. based on the killings. And it's even better in scream too, because they use, they mention specifically mention if they're going to make this into the movie, it's going to be 
she's gonna be played by Tori Spelling or something. Yeah. And then they get Tori Spelling to be in <laughs> Stab for sure. Scream 2. It's perfect. Absolutely oh, it's so perfect. good. I loved it. Uh, <laughs> That's but, a great one. That's a great piece. Absolutely. So I, I got to ask because um, I, I haven't done this with the other guests and it's not something I normally do, but just because you seem to be kind of back and forth on how much you like the movie. I'm curious, like on a star rating out of five, where do you land on this? Um, I probably put it like a three and a half. All which, right, so that's not bad. No, I didn't. It's not like I hated it. I'm not. It's not going to make any of my bottom lists, but it would probably make one of my like more disappointing lists. Mm-hmm. Like demonic from this year made my most disappointing list because sure. like Blomkamp is like CGI god, and and then you get one cool monster that's underutilized and a and a technology that I think they could have done a lot more with a lot uh, come true. Yeah. And so that movie let let me down quite a bit. And this this one, I I tampered my expectations, so I didn't, I wasn't, um, it, it wasn't the worst thing that happened to me that week <laughs> right, when I watched sure. it. But I was like, man, it's just the mate, the Matrix. I, I was hoping for more, you know. Right. I, I I fully understand, and and I feel like this is a movie that is going to uh, reward multiple viewings. I feel like it's, yeah, for sure. You know, it's so packed with so many themes and so many ideas, and uh, you know, maybe they won't all work for everybody, but there's certain things I think that you could latch onto and just be like, oh well, it's great for this. And I can agree with that for sure. Yeah, for you, maybe the meta part, but not so much some of the other parts of the story or where it takes certain characters, maybe, but. But uh, yeah, there's going to be something that you'll you'll definitely keep from the movie. I one of the things that just that took me out of it was that I I like I really like um, <clears throat> Chinese epics, you know, like um, Crouching Tiger, Hero, things like that. Mm-hmm. And the the fight choreography and just the realism of it in the first Matrix, and even to probably about the same extent in number two and three, was on par probably because it was choreographed by some of the masters. Sure. And you just can't do that with a 55-year-old Keanu Reeves. Sure. It just can't happen. So it's almost like, you know, you look in your refrigerator and you have all the ingredients to make something and make the best thing you can with those ingredients. And they used way too much Keanu fighting for me. I'm like, that's, it's, fighting fighting young Morpheus doesn't have the same punch as, you know, uh, Lenny Fishburne <laughs> or Larry Fishburne <laughs> and him duking it out as, you know, young man and old, old, uh, you know, not old, but a uh, seasoned veteran. It, there was a lot of that and a lot of things that I'm like, okay, that, that I see where they're going with it. And there was a lot of really cool things. And unfortunately, a, a middling review for a movie, like this high concept, I feel like is almost, almost worse of a review than saying it was two stars. I hated it completely. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, I, I just hope that uh, Keanu is filming as many John Wicks as possible over the next, like, 12 to 14 months before, uh, before he gets too old for more of it. But, uh, yeah. I want, I, want a, I want something's got to give two. Okay. That's what I want. Yeah. We'll I want him there. to be the young doctor, and, then, and this time he's uh, betting uh, Betty White instead of Diane Lane. Nice. I like it. <laughs> There's a movie right there for sure. <laughs> well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Uh, P, why don't you tell people where they can find you and your podcast? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, look us up on any pod stream you, you uh, subscribe to. We're on all the big ones and all the small ones, too. Uh, it's called Middle Class Film Class. We release twice a week. Mondays is movie news and review and uh, streaming recommendations, and Wednesdays is one deep dive review that we choose at random and we have a lot of listener interaction. So middle-class film class. And if you want to write in for the 
have us review a, a movie. Um, all the contact information is in all the show notes. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for doing the super episode and uh, hopefully we can get you back for a regular episode sometime soon. Absolutely. I'd love it. Love the show. I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harris, and we co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years, and we pick out why they were such great years for films. We go over the biggest hits, the biggest flops, the best picture, and some personal picks, some cult classics. Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984, and we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about The Matrix Resurrections. Thank you so much to all those guests for uh, joining me here to talk about the movie and bringing all those different points of view and all those great puzzle pieces. Make sure to check out all of their podcasts or films or any of the things that they're up to. You can find links to everything they do in the show notes. Uh, before we wrap it up, I did want to mention quickly, since I didn't really do the whole puzzle pieces thing on this episode, it being a super episode, of course, a few other pieces that I had in mind that I might have brought up if we were doing a uh, regular episode. Um, I was really happy that Pete brought up Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind so I could get into some Charlie Kaufman in there. I did mention adaptation. I definitely would have gotten into that a little bit further in a uh, regular episode. Pete also mentioned Scream, and I definitely think we could have gotten into New Nightmare in there as well. Uh, some other pieces, uh, JC mentioned the happening for the part where everyone's throwing themselves out of the buildings. And to me, that reminded me of that Fast and Furious movie where all the driverless cars are driving themselves out of parking garage to create obstacles in the big chase. Uh, I, I think that might've been a Hobbs and Shaw actually. I'm not sure, but it was one of the Fast and Furious related movies. Uh, and that also kind of reminded me of like World War Z or any of the fast zombie movies. You know, there's a bunch of those. Um, also Cabin in the Woods, uh, which is, you know, kind of a deconstruction of its own genre that kind of turns in on itself in all kinds of weird meta ways. So I, I think that could definitely have been part of the conversation. And last but not least, uh, Edgar Wright's Hot Fuzz, which is just amazing. But um, for being, you know, the kind of movie that's commenting on its own genre while also just straight up being an awesome entry in its own genre at the same time. Um, so I, I think that those are some things that we definitely could have gotten to. And I'm sure there's plenty more. Uh, do you have any puzzle pieces that you think we should have brought up for The Matrix Resurrections? If you do, let us know. Definitely get in touch. Uh, we are on Twitter all the time at PiecingPod. You could also join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And, uh, you know, as always, just get in touch any way you'd like. We do appreciate the five-star ratings over there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts. No, Pocket Casts doesn't do five-star ratings. They should. Uh, Podchaser does, though. And Good Pods. Lots of places you can leave us a nice little review if you'd like. Um, or just make sure you're subscribed so that way you can hear the upcoming new episodes. We've got a top 10 of 2021 coming up. We also have a top 10 first time watches of 2021, something we started last year. Josh Bell from Awesome Movie Year joins me and we talk about movies that are older that we watch for the first time in 2021. Uh, that will be a fun episode. And then, of course, lots of new movies in the new year to cover. So lots coming your way, so make sure you're subscribed. 
And don't forget about the Patreon, of course, produced by David Rosen. Lots of great stuff over there. So let's wrap this thing up with a piece of music. And I think this being a big episode, uh, it would be a good time to preview some music from what I've been working on for my next album, which will hopefully be out in 2022. Um, And I think I actually played this on the show either the beginning of the year or the end of last year um, because I had just made it and I was really excited about it and I thought maybe I would finish this album this year, but that didn't quite happen. Uh, Although I did release a whole other album, The Dissection Table, so... And a single. Uh, I I put out a lot of music this year, but this didn't come out yet. So uh, I'm going to play it now, and it will be on the album that comes out hopefully in 2022. I'm pretty sure it'll be out in 2022. But this track is called Burn. There's actually already a music video for it uh, just waiting to get released. And uh, I look forward to getting this album out there. So I hope you enjoy the track. Very electronic, very matrixy. So uh, I think it's a good fit here. And uh, yeah, we'll be back in the new year with a lot more piecing it together coming real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.